You're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast hosted by the team here at Soul Strategies. We hope you like the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. I think we're live everywhere. Yep. Cool. All right. So thank you for coming and talking with us today. Absolutely. Happy to. Do you want to give the people a little insight into who you are? Sure. I'm I'm Jay Tomlinson. I'm the producer of the long-running Best of the Left podcast started in 2006 as a hobby and have been doing it ever since. So that's that, that's that been my full-time gig for a long time now. Yes. I saw that when you, how you first got started, you used to listen to it while you were like at work and stuff when you said you were a FedEx driver. That's how Absolutely. I found I found got into politics the same way. I used to just listen to it on my way to work or like while I was at work, I would listen to like the Young Turks and a bunch of other like progressive news stations and stuff like that. And that's kind of how my interest got peaked as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and my show, it's, it's a, it's a curation. So I, mm-hmm. I just took the next step instead of getting involved in politics. I got involved in media by mm-hmm. sharing all the best bits of all the great stuff I was listening to while driving around delivering packages. And it just seemed like a fun hobby to have and, and went from there. I love it. Did you ever consider running? Uh, no, but uh, I, I guess I, I feel the way a lot of people feel that, you mm-hmm. know, oh, that's not for me or I'd rather be in a support position or yeah. I'd rather you know, do like a media position, you can kind of say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And as a politician, you feel more constrained. And um, a few years after I started the show, I ended up living in DC and got in the nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, these are my people. I I feel really comfortable being Mm -hmm. outside the house, throwing rocks and insults at the house (laughs) instead of being in the house, trying to uh, you know, make, make change in that way, but fully recognizing you need, you need people on both sides. Definitely. I feel the exact same way. I feel like the media has a big say in how politics is shaped and how people actually can make informed decisions and stuff. So it's important to have podcasts like yours because it lays everything out and tells just the raw and honest truth. I was looking at the title of your last podcast when you were talking about the um, most, most like the needed just blunt response to how like the pandemic response has been going. And I really like that because you need that brutality sometimes. Like you need to just lay it all out and be completely honest so that people can really know what's actually going on in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if I can, if I can move the Overton window a bit, mm-hmm. then the politicians have a little bit more wiggle room to get some more progressive policies passed. So Definitely. It, it all works together. It does. Okay, let's get into these questions, shall we? Sure. All right. So we know that you've been into politics and interested in since 2006. So what are some of the biggest differences between like progressivism in 2006 and then where we kind of are as a ideology today so the the biggest turning point i i would actually put it you know people might predict i would say bernie sanders my, mm-hmm. what what i think was the biggest turning point was the citizen united yes ruling. yes and and so in 2006 that hadn't happened yet and mm-hmm. you had to be pretty deep in the weeds to understand that money in politics was a major problem definitely 
And after Citizens United, a lot more people started to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what laid the groundwork for people like Bernie Sanders to be able to run on that messaging. Mm -hmm. So, so that was, that was huge. Um, and, and then the other big one is the climate movement. Mm -hmm. It just, it just practically didn't exist as, yeah. as a national or, or international movement. It just wasn't really there in, in 2006. Mm -hmm. And it's completely blossomed into its own huge powerhouse of yeah. it's just of, gotten to the point where we cannot ignore it anymore you know of course so it forces people to really take a hard look like with all the wildfires that are going on in like california how florida might not even exist in a few years like it's things yeah. like that that make you be like oh i should probably pay more attention to this yeah when when i was in dc and, and working in the nonprofit uh, world i was working at a, a climate change nonprofit. And mm -hmm. the first event I ever attended was um, what they considered large, but was a relatively small event in a church, maybe a couple hundred people, uh, featuring Bill McKibben, the founder mm -hmm. of 350.org, but he hadn't founded 350.org yet. Mm -hmm. And it was like the, the seeds of what would become a massive movement. But at the time, we were just like, over the moon that we could get 200 people to come to a church and listen to Bill talk, you know, right. and, and, um, you know, launch a campaign saying we need to focus on climate change. And uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's like amazing that, <laughs> I mean, was it five years ago now that 400,000 people showed up in New York City and, you mm -hmm. know, this rolling series of international marches, like, and, and all the progress happening in, in Europe in particular right now, like mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what's changed. It is, love that. Okay, so you are also podcasting before it was like the mainstream cool thing to do because nowadays everybody has a podcast but you were right. like one of the, <laughs> one of the pioneers of it. I remember you said on your website that you were podcasting before it was even on iTunes, which is crazy. I, I, I listened to, I was proud to say that I found podcasts and yeah. listened to them before they were integrated in iTunes. Yeah. That means you were really in the trenches with it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but um, how do you think podcasting has affected, political podcasting specifically has affected like the movement? Do you think it helps get the message along? What do you think about that? Yeah, that, I mean, that's an interesting one. It's, I, I feel simultaneously deep on the inside of that question, but also I observe, you know, I, I do a lot of listening to podcasts, but it's really hard to know what it would be like to discover podcasting later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, so for the first five years, I had my show at least to tell someone, to tell someone about the show was difficult because I first had to explain what a podcast was. Right. And <laughs> Uh, and so like, I have no idea what it's like to come, to become aware of podcasting at the same time as other people are becoming aware of it, mm -hmm. or to have this new way to engage with politics at the same time as it's sort of blossoming. Yeah. So, you know, I, frankly, I was a little surprised, like, uh, you know, after the 2016 election, there was this explosion of progressive podcasts mm -hmm. and I didn't see that coming. I didn't really realize what was going to happen. I didn't know if 
everyone was that you know the people are going to gravitate to shows like that mm-hmm. and uh no so uh, frankly it's been it's been sort of hard to keep up with like yeah you know uh, i i don't i don't necessarily feel um like i have a a really good grasp you know almost like you can't see a painting when you're standing six inches from it right it's like i I have that sort of sense but um generally i would say that it makes perfect sense that I've always thought that podcasts were amazing and that people should love them. And so it was sort of only a matter of time before they exploded and and became mainstream and that, uh, that they became mainstream at the same time as media, uh, more generally, uh, Mm -hmm. that people were becoming aware of how everyone can find a media source to fit their personality perfectly. Podcasting fits that mold really well because there are so many of them, you can always find a podcast to to fit your needs. So whether you're sort of mainstream, you will definitely be covered there. But if you want any gradient of, you know, further out on the extremities, there is a podcast for you. So it, 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 you know, I would say exacerbates Mm -hmm. that phenomenon of everyone dividing up and and getting in their own tiny lane and maybe you know maybe not um not being aware of what the people slightly more progressive than them think or the people slightly more moderate than them think Mm -hmm. um but you know but that's the nature of the beast with all media i guess so i mean i can only speak to my show and, and how i decide to do it you know i i definitely try to put a message forward with my show, but at the same time, uh, show a bit of a range. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I may feature clips that are, you know, all the way over on the, like, you know, communist anarchist wing and, yeah. and all the way into the, like, here's a mainstream clip that's just explaining what's happening. Just, <laughs> you know, because I think having that range is, is important. Important. Mm-hmm. Good. That actually leads me right into our next question. So that was a perfect <laughs> little trickle into there. But before we get there, I like what you mm-hmm. said about in 2016, that's when you saw progressive podcasts exploding, because I feel like that was a year that a lot of people really woke up and realized like, oh my God, there's something going on in this country. Yeah, I know literally the day I'm dramatic, but the day that like Donald Trump got elected, I remember I called my mom in the morning on my way to work and I was like, boo-hoo crying because I literally oh, yeah. could not believe that it even happened like I was like mom like what's going on he's he's a terrible person and like they voted for him and she was like Amani this happens in this country and I'm just like are you like what but okay this is coming from my mom who was born in 1957 so she's seen some stuff you know she she had she had more experience than you did at the time but definitely yeah you, you got you got the wake-up call for sure. And like I was getting woke-ish like in 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. And then it like obviously exacerbated after everything happened. But that was a great point that you made. Hey, you're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast. Take a moment to listen to some of our esteemed champions and their takeaways from the program. And I'm glad that I was a part of that, that I had the opportunity to even be involved with that, with some legitimate organizations that help people who want to do right by other people, you know, by communities. You know, utilize my my resources, utilize my networks, um, 
this has, the last month, I've had some tremendous things happen. It's your time to become a leader. Go to soulstrategies.com to find out more. So in between the time that you started your podcast, we've seen platforms like Twitter raise to prominence on both left-wing and right-wing spaces. Um, how much do you think social media has played a role in the political awareness happening right now? So I think I think a lot. But yeah. this is another, like, I, I'm actually very much on the outside of this. I, really? I don't use, I don't use social media. I hate it. <laughs> I, I, and, and I'm, I'm an introvert. So okay. the idea of being wildly social on the internet doesn't appeal to me and never has. And so as all the, the drawbacks and, and drawbacks is putting it mildly when it comes to social media. Yeah as those became clear, I just mm -hmm. kept thanking my lucky stars that I never <laughs> got into it. But I, I would come at this from a couple of different angles, the youth and the adults, because when I was a teenager, I certainly wasn't political and didn't really know anyone who was. Mm -hmm. And my impression of teenagers today is that they are much more aware of politics. Yeah, they are. They are. But, but, but there could be multiple reasons for that because I was a teenager at the end of the Clinton administration. Okay. So there wasn't a, uh, you know, a, an Iraq war to mm -hmm. march and fight against. There wasn't, uh, <laughs> you know, children in cages. I mean, there, there, there was a lot, uh, there was a lot of reason to think mm -hmm. things are going pretty okay and there's nothing to fight about. I, so I so that, that could be part of the reason why as a teenager, I wasn't politically engaged, but mm -hmm. uh, if I was on social media where politics is talk about, talked about regularly, yeah, then then maybe I would have been at that time. And, and as we know, one of the things about social media is that it thrives on outrage, mm -hmm. and politics is outrageous. Definitely. So politics does well on social media. <laughs> it drives outrage. Outrage drives politics to be more outrageous. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have this virtuous, uh, I, I mean, I say facetiously, it's a very, <laughs> very not virtuous cycle of social media feeding outrage, outrage feeding politics, politics mm -hmm. becoming more outrageous, and then everything about politics being, being posted on social media. Yeah. Uh, so we, we are living in an age where it's sort of impossible to get away from it, Mm -hmm. But we're also living in an age where it is genuinely important to be engaged in it. it Whereas is. if you, you know, if you were growing up in the nineties, then there, there wasn't a lot of urgency mm -hmm. and now, and now there is. So. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not even that it just wasn't the urgency. It just wasn't being displayed as openly as it is now. Like everybody has a camera on their phone. So things are being spread around much more quickly and it's like hard to be silent about certain things when it's like right in your face, you know, when you're looking at it immediately. Yeah. No, I think that I, also I, plays a role too. Oh, no, of course. Which, which mm -hmm. actually is, is a point I, I should emphasize is that it felt like politics wasn't right. urgent, mm -hmm. but so many of the problems that we're actually dealing with today mm -hmm. existed then, but no one knew about it or, or no yes. one thought to care. Yes. I totally, totally agree. It's hard for people's agendas to really stay secret these days because it's like, you can Google everything. Like, I feel like for a long time, we were all so used to like 
tokenism in politics. Like here's this thing that looks like something good, but we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. But nowadays I can actually Google and see like, who are you getting your money from? Who are you being paid by? How did you vote? Like I can look at your record and I can really see what's real and what's not. And now that we have that context, it's easier to be more active politically because it's like, you're lying. <laughs> like, I know you're lying. You know, I can yeah. see the truth. So that definitely yeah. plays a big role in that, it. I, I'm, I'm still not sure that the politicians have fully caught up, but I don't think so. the, but the last, the, I mean, the last 15 years, it's really seemed like they don't realize that videotape has gone mainstream. And exists. <laughs> like, don't don't you know that we know what you've said and you can't just lie about it the way you could 10 years ago? <laughs> Literally, I can Google yeah. and pull up a video of anything and there's all the evidence in the world, but I just, it's, it's interesting because there's, I think there's just, how they get away with certain things is just they play on people's level of political awareness. So there's people like you, like me, who like are constantly in the, political news like we're digging through we're watching and seeing what's happening every single day and then there are people who are living their lives completely outside of politics they may see an advertisement here or there or they might catch one random cnn clip and it's easy for politicians to prey on people like that because they're not doing their research so it's just interesting to see how everything definitely social media and just the internet revolution as a whole has played a role in how politically aware people are and how politicians can get away with this stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not me <laughs> it, it, it sounds it sounds kind of blissful uh but yeah it, it, one, once you're in you you can't you, you can't unsee it and and you can't yeah. turn away you know you can't turn away mm-hmm. even even if you would like to literally it's like once you realize what's really going on it's like wow I have to sit with this every day. And, and and being a progressive, it's it's a lot of days where you're just so angry because you're just like, why is the world like this? Like, and then you can look around and see other first world nations across the globe and see how they're handling certain things. And then you look at America and it's like, what are we doing? Like, it's just a lot, but hopefully we'll we'll make some change in the near future yeah <laughs> you, you you may want to check it out i did a whole episode on on moving from anger through mm-hmm. the stages yeah. to sort of s- some version of acceptance mm-hmm. and and like i even you know i'm not i'm not a religious person but the the term grace came yes. up mm-hmm. and i have found over the last decade that i've been getting less angry even even as the world gets crazier, I've mm-hmm. been getting less angry because I've been understanding more deeply why mm-hmm. people do what they do and yeah. and sort of understanding on a deeper level that that no one thinks of themselves as the bad guy. That's very true. So That's if you can true. really internalize that, that mm-hmm. those people doing horrible things and causing terrible damage and pain and suffering mm-hmm. don't think they're doing that, mm-hmm. then then at least it can uh, relieve some of that anger and frustration. Yeah, there's actually a Jay-Z quote, random, but it says, he says, die and be a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. It is like... <laughs> It's kind of encapsulates that. It's like, we're all good guys until one day you look up and be like, wow, that wasn't right. But, mm-hmm. you know, but that's just a, that's a dark way to think about it. <laughs> but, anyway. Okay. So what do you see occurring in this Biden administration? What, 
Do you think any progressive policies are going to be passed? And if so, what do you think they should prioritize? Uh, yeah, I mean, that a, a lot has to do with what happens in Georgia. We all know that. Mm -hmm. and, and it depends on what you mean by progressive policies and priorities, because could we get some absolutely basic stuff through? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe. Do, do I think anything from my dream checklist is going to get done? <laughs> no, no, not really. What is your dream checklist? Sidebar. <laughs> um, I, you know, overturning Citizens United and banning <laughs> money in politics, uh, you know, one. massive Green New Deal that actually addresses climate change mm -hmm. to scientific standards, uh, which of course would incorporate massive social justice programs mm -hmm. and, you know, economic justice programs sort of all encapsulated in that. that those would be my, <laughs> uh, and, you know, sort of a universal overhaul of our democratic processes. Those would be, I don't know if I said three or four, but the, you know, those, those are the, those, those are the top ones. So those are some good ones. <laughs> yeah. So, so if we, if, you know, if the Democrats had the Senate, then could we get some basic democratic reforms through? So, you know, some lowercase d democracy reforms through? Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, no, not, not uppercase D that supports the Democratic Party, just like, you know, democracy itself. Mm -hmm. Get that through? Probably. So, yeah. uh, you know, Biden seems to be uh, positioning himself to prioritize climate change. That's always a tough fight. I'm happy to see it prioritized and I'm, I'm happy to fight for the, the most we can possibly get from that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting uh, because they're, the climate change agenda and um, getting money out of politics are kind of hand in hand because a lot of politicians don't speak up on the climate change issue because they're, you know, taking money from the oil and gas industries right. and things like that. So it's like, you kind of gotta, they kind of go together. Well, I mean, the, the, this is, this is one of the most frustrating things. When I was in the climate movement, I, I thought this is one of the most foundational issues we have, mm -hmm. that everything else depends on solving Correct. climate change. And mm -hmm. if you solve climate change the right way, it mm -hmm. benefits a lot of other issues. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, well, why are we having so much trouble with this? Oh, it's money in politics. So then you feel like you got to step back and say, so maybe money in politics is the most important issue. Right. But if you take another step back, you realize, why do we have a problem with money in politics? Oh, the overwhelming power of capitalism in a highly unregulated system. So yep. maybe cap capitalism and the total lack of regulation is our problem. And so you just keep taking Spiral. step back after back. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, then, and then you realize like, okay, we don't have time to <laughs> abolish capitalism and implement all the regulations we need in order to get money out of politics so that we can finally address climate change. So I guess we have to do it all at the same time. Yeah. So good luck to us. I know. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be a great world? Right. <laughs> it would be such a wonderful world. Okay. Yeah. All right, and I have one last question. So mm -hmm. from your point of view, being on the internet in a left wing, position so long, what are some of the things that you think up and coming leftist politicians can utilize via podcasting the internet? What are some tips that you have to help them like engage with their community, you know, build that kind of relationship to where they have a real support system online? 
That is a tough one. And, and, and I'm not, I'm, this is not my area of expertise, but mm -hmm. it, it is definitely important to be able to reach everyone wherever they are. And yeah. so you are never going to reach me on social media mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> but if I hear about you and find out you have a podcast, I will subscribe because that is how I get my news. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, every, every person you want to reach has their own little story about how they are reachable, mm -hmm. what medium works for them. Mm -hmm. And so having a strategy that caters to everyone and, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the key, I would say, I mean, based on running a show mm -hmm. that the, the, strategy that people use is create content that can be used across multiple platforms. It has to be transformed yeah. and sort of customized mm -hmm. to a specific uh, um, platform. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a podcast can easily be an hour long, but it's always good to, you know, make sure to clip out a minute long segment that can fit on Twitter, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and so creating content with the foresight Mm -hmm. to be able to split it up and turn it into a newsletter or a blog post or a you know YouTube video and and uh, and and podcast that can also be cut up into you know Twitter and Facebook mm -hmm. video like uh, when you create content that is reaching out to your community mm -hmm. when you know what you're going to do with it then that helps you helps guide the creation process. That is absolutely necessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I work, uh, I do digital media for a lot of uh, candidates and there's a lot of different companies in general. And that's one of the biggest helps is having like some type of content bank or like a content farming type of process to where you can just have a dig through a lot of stuff and share it all over the place. So that's really, really great foresight. All right. Any other last words for our audience here? Anything you want to promote or get out? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I think we covered we covered a lot. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really good talking to you and hearing your more about your background and your experience and your ideas. So we hope to have you on here again soon. Great. No, thank you, and 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 thanks for the work you guys are doing. It, it, you know, supporting candidates not taking corporate money is doing the Lord's work right now. <laughs> Thank you. We think so too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, you heard it here, guys. We will catch y'all on the next episode. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye.